What happens when a traditional on-site and near-site clinic operates as a medical home? And how can that help you bend your client's trend? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode is brought to you by the Evolve Marketplace Division of National Benefit Partners, developers of the innovative Employee Benefits in a Box, a game-changing tool for brokers working in the 10 to 250 employee market who want to easily and efficiently add a best-in-class voluntary benefits portfolio for their clients. To learn more, go to www.evolvemarketplace.com. Hey, thanks for being among the thousands of Shift Shapers listeners who tune in each week to hear the top subject matter experts in our industry talk about ideas, techniques, and best practices that help you to build your knowledge base and your practice. I know many of you subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher so that you get each week's podcast delivered as soon as it goes live. And that's a great way to get the jump on every new episode. To make it even easier, and for those of you who may not be iTunes or Stitcher users, we've added an exciting new feature to the ShiftShapersOnline.com website. If you click the new subscribe button, will automatically notify you the minute each new episode is published, and we'll also send you a short description showing who we're chatting with and what we're discussing. And it will let us notify you about some upcoming special offers, online content, and webinars we're building just for Shift Shapers listeners. So go to www.shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. Our motto is Listen, Learn, Profit. Now you have a way to do that ahead of the crowd. Subscribe today. There have been a whole bunch of different influences that have come together recently, and they're renewing an interest in something that many of our audience may not be aware of. I know there are a lot of benefit advisors who haven't dealt in this area, and that's the area of on-site and near-site clinics. And we went looking for a subject matter expert, and we were very, very privileged to find Karen Gerlide. Karen is the Vice President of National Business Development at Paladina Health, and she knows everything there is to know about on-site and near-site clinics. With that, welcome, Karen. Wow, thank you. I appreciate that, David. I'm happy to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Well, let's go back a little bit. The system, even prior to ACA, created some really weird incentives, didn't it? Yes, I think that the healthcare kind of economic system has created a, a situation where fee-for-service payment structure has, you know, created kind of the, the need to drive a lot of volume through the healthcare system, resulting in, you know, decreased time with patients, decreased ability to look holistically at patient care. Kind of the incentive to drive volume has really been at a misaligned with the incentive to drive better health. I think Part of that is also the structure that we have in place where we can't find out what fees are for healthcare services. So we don't know if an MRI is going to cost us $3,000 or $300, you know, even though the quality is basically the same. And what, what has kind of created, we've created our own kind of 
poor economic system or misaligned incentive system in, in the healthcare world where we're driving volume, not quality. Cost increases are obviously very much out of line with GDP and where we need kind of the growth to be contained. And what we're, I think, needing to do as a country in order to keep a sustainable economic system is to fix this healthcare kind of crisis that we have. So if we fast forward to a post-ACA environment where we find ourselves today, most of those poor incentives and the results of them are still in place. Is ACA exacerbating this problem? I think that the challenge is that, you know, ACA certainly does nothing to get to the root cause driver of the healthcare crisis, as I call it, you know, the crisis being costs are increasing at an unsustainable rate and our, the quality of healthcare, our outcomes of, of our health are actually very low. And so what ACA has done is certainly provided more pressure into the healthcare system in the, from the standpoint of providing more individuals who, who have some level of health coverage who are now able to seek healthcare services. So it doesn't do anything for the, the cost equation that continues to occur. It's certainly providing more people with coverage. Those folks are seeking care and therefore there's more pressure in this already volume-based structure to continue to drive even more and more volume. So for our listeners who maybe are not aware Dial back a little bit and let's talk about what an on-site clinic is and what a near-site clinic is and, and the differences between the two. Sure. An on-site clinic is what it may sound like to folks. A clinic that's located at on an employer's property. It might be um, in a manufacturing facility, a corporate headquarters, a combination of those things. So it's a very convenient location for employees to receive care. A near-site clinic is a clinic that could be dedicated to one employer. It could be allowed to be shared by many employers that might be nearby a work site uh, or a variety of work sites, maybe in a central location that many employers can find easily accessible. It may be that it's located for an employer in the suburban areas where many of their employees live. So an employer may have an on-site for the folks that are working at that employer location, and then they may have a near-site close to where employees live so that dependents can easily access. One challenge, I think, with, with this space is as employers and benefits consultants are thinking about strategizing around a clinic solution is that you really want to make sure that dependents have maximum access and are more likely to utilize the services because for the best cost savings, typically dependents represent a good 50% of the healthcare spend. And so providing accessible comfortable locations for those dependents is really important. A lot of times dependents don't want to go to the on-site clinic because you may not want to see your spouse's boss if you have the flu and your hair is sticking up all over, or there may be security issues. You know, you may not, the employer may have uh, a security system in place where where non-employees really aren't easily allowed into the location where the clinic is. So a variety of reasons why you may want an on-site, you may also want a near-site, or you may want to use a near-site network if there's one that makes sense to either build or one available in a community so that employees and dependents have a lot of convenient choices for access. Is some of the consideration about whether an employer or group of employers use an on-site or a near-site involved in the cost of setting it up and, and with 
Nearsight clinics, is it possible for a group of employers to spread the cost of setup? Yes, there are different models out in the market that kind of operate differently. Typically, an on-site clinic is developed and built at the employer's expense. And I would say sometimes I think people assume that the cost of an on-site clinic is very high. I would assure you that there are many very affordable ways to do an on-site clinic, even for employers with 2,000 employees or or maybe fewer employees than what, what you might imagine. In terms of nearsight, there are different breeders who might view things differently. Some will require the employer to pay for that location, and it may be necessary to pool resources with other employers in order to build that. Other operators will actually provide the investment themselves and make that nearsight clinic available to their other clients, and there's great value for them in making that investment. Now, you mentioned 2,000 lives. Is this something that's only really applicable to large and jumbo groups? It really isn't. And I think that's another kind of part of the evolution that's occurred back in in the early years, I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago, there were on-site clinics for more occupational medicine type services or occupational medicine and maybe a little bit of kind of urgent care needs. And they were generally done at the very large employer kind of jumbo employer locations. And in a lot of ways, the economics only really worked for those very large employers. What we've seen really is an evolution and innovation that has allowed kind of a more robust model to be available to kind of smaller employer groups. So you still need typically a fairly centralized, geographically centralized kind of chunk of employees, if you will, um, to make it make sense and dependence. But typically, you know, a really nice solution can be had for those types of locations where there could even be a thousand and more employees in a given location. So that's definitely, a, I think, a trend that a lot of benefits consultants would appreciate becoming aware of. Now, I know that there are some people who, when they think of the word clinic, they a certain image comes to mind. And maybe years ago that was true, but today there's a really strong connection to a, a concept that goes back quite a few years called medical home or patient-centered primary care. And I know that that, for a lot of operators, that that's kind of the basis on which they build. Can you explain what that is and why that matters? Right. So again, I think that comes from sort of the history, you know, of sort of clinics being a, a much more kind of almost an urgent care type of an environment or an Ahmed environment where you may not have a, a high degree of kind of comfort and, and relationship. Where the innovators, I think, are moving in this space is really providing a comfortable, almost spa-like, maybe not quite that fancy, but just a very comfortable environment with physicians at the center and the physicians taking accountability for a, a full relationship with their patient and the total kind of holistic care of the patient. So that patient-centered medical home, meaning, you know, it's your home base for all of your medical care. Family practice physicians who have the time, who are not on the fee-for-service treadmill, where they have to spend 12 minutes per patient, maybe, and have more time to spend with their patients, are able to do more for their patients, typically 85, 90% of most people's healthcare needs. But a true patient-centered medical home is looking at really taking accountability for all care for a patient. So certainly the majority of care that the physician can provide directly 
but also the care that an individual needs outside of that physician environment. So, you know, making sure they are, are going to, you know, the best value imaging centers and then doing the follow-up and helping explain the information, working proactively with patients on their chronic disease, and also coordinating specialty care and really taking accountability for not just kind of being available on a, on a very short notice or, or, you know, being available with lots of appointments for people when they need, but actually building relationship to say, Let's develop a care plan with you, David. Let's talk about you know what I'm seeing, which is perhaps a precondition or precursor to chronic disease, or perhaps we've got a condition that we really need to address. And I have the time and kind of the ability to work with you, to take you from where you are now and help you make the right steps so that you can actually improve your health. And I think when you see those kinds of elements present in a model, that's really what that medical home concept is going for. And I think, you know, medical home is going to be a term that we'll hear more and more of in the upcoming years in this space and what will be the really important differentiators for benefits consultants will be to really understand what's behind that label in the model, what clinical processes are available, how is this operator using data and enabling the physician to work on a proactive basis and really having a, an ability to kind of discern which operators are truly creating that medical home environment and which operators are kind of calling their fancy clinic a medical home. But the clinic in our mind is the means to the end. In our minds, I think that the right way to think about it is Yes, they're comfortable and and touring some can be a great use of time, but it's about facilitating that relationship with a primary care physician that has the time and the tools to proactively work with their patients. And now a word from our sponsor. Whether you're new to voluntary benefits or a seasoned professional, you'll want to check out the latest innovation from Evolve Marketplace. Employee Benefits in a Box is an innovative product that gives brokers in the small to mid-sized market a turnkey set of solutions that until now have been reserved for large market brokers alone. Employee Benefits in a Box is truly capable of revolutionizing the way you go to market for employee benefits and for voluntary benefits. Evolve Marketplace provides a best-in-class voluntary benefit product portfolio with preferred and guarantee issue underwriting, a proven enrollment platform, and one consolidated bill. And we know how important that is for clients. Best of all, they give you all of this with no impact to your commissions. You can learn more about Evolve Marketplace and employee benefits in a box by visiting their website, www.evolvemarketplace.com, or by clicking the sponsor link on the podcast website, shiftshapersonline.com. And now, back to our interview. Well, if the clinic is a means to an end, then let's talk about the end, because at the end of the day, we've talked about the outlay and what, you know, kind of the, the cost profile of, of making a move like this. What does the return look like? How are clinics able to bend the trends and can they bend it across all treatment locations and all treatment profiles? Or is it only certain areas where you'll see improvements? Right. You know, that's certainly an area where there's an, an emerging kind of body of evidence based on, on results delivered. I would say broadly, 
the results delivered are going to depend a lot upon the type of model that's in place. Even models that are fairly reactive, so kind of we're, we're placing a nurse practitioner or a PA in a clinic and, and sort of allowing them to be available and, and making them more convenient and having them be kind of available on a more reactive basis, an employer will still see likely cost savings. I think where the real savings come into play and the real ROI is much more likely is in more of that medical home concept that we were talking about before. We have a physician who can do more, who can take specialty care that's being done currently in the specialty environment because it's been pushed there due to the lack of availability of primary care time. So, for example, there are a ton of diabetic needs that can be handled in the primary care office if that physician has time, but in the outside healthcare system, they're typically sort of turfed up to specialty endocrinology, for example, because that primary care doctor doesn't have the time. So, when you have the right kind of model and incentives in place, you can really save dollars, as you mentioned, in the specialty care bucket, if you will, in outpatient services because you can redirect care to better value locations. You can also prevent and guide care in a more efficient way. Inpatient care can be impacted. And so really truly accountable models will take, I think, accountability to reduce the total healthcare spend. I think the one area that may or may not decrease is pharmacy. Because what we see if, with pharmacy is often you know, greater adherence to the pharmacy protocols. So you may see pharmacy cost increase, but there's also the ability to do a lot more generic substitution, just better medical or pharmacy management. And so those costs may increase, they may stay flat, they could decrease, it depends a lot on the profile of the population that's being managed. But if you get better adherence, the thought at least is that down the road, you'll be able to lower claims costs. Right. And typically, even if you do have a, a bit of a bump on the pharmacy side, what you'd see in the overall healthcare spend, including pharmacy, medical and pharmacy, is a reduction or even break even, which is a tremendous gain for most employers. So they could see a break even, they could see 5 to 15% net savings um, in this model over time. We've got about five minutes left. One of the places that I wanted to, to touch on was I know in, in one of my tours of duty with one of the two carriers I worked with, we talked a lot about on-site and near-site clinics. And the clinical people inside the home office were always really reticent to start going down that road because there wasn't robust data exchange and they couldn't bring their programs to bear as well. What's the state of that today and how are carriers reacting to a, an increased interest in on-site and near-site clinics? Yes, I think that's a very exciting area right now for this space. More and more, we are seeing really great partnerships where the carriers are coming to the table as a really important partner in the employer strategies. And I think carriers are very much looking for ways that they can really show you know great value for a lot of the programs and the, the data and the analytics that they offer. And so more and more, we're able to 
work with those carriers to share data, to measure results, to leverage even those assets that the carrier brings to the table. It may be in identifying gaps in care. It may be certain data analytics that they provide. It may be identification of early chronic disease. It may be identification of high-value providers in a geography and really leveraging that um, information. But certainly we've found that um, our best partnerships have come from being able to very freely share data two ways to show the value of the model within that whole claims system and with with the whole spend and also showing, uh, I think, the employer kind of how care is, the patterns of care are changing over time. So it's it's really important. I think carriers are definitely interested in being a part of this and coming to the table for their employer clients as a part of this solution. Karen, in the minute or so that we have left, where do you envision the future uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I think I think this space is going to be very dependent and we're going to see a lot of innovation in terms of how we use the data and how we then action that data into really strong clinical models that impact population health management and chronic disease. I think telehealth is an emerging trend and the the folks that will be the innovators of the future are going to be taking risk on populations, are going to be using data and showing results in a meaningful way and they're going to be developing differentiated clinical processes that really deliver change in health outcome. And so it's a great place to be and and I think uh, good news kind of for the, the healthcare system in America. And for listeners who want to, to learn more, Karen's been very kind to make a, a very interesting case study available, and it's available at the Shift Shapers online website. With that, Karen Gerlide, who is the Vice President of National Business Development at Paladina Health. Karen, thank you very much for a fascinating interview. Well, it was my pleasure, David. I appreciate it. Thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you, to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltsmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business.